All right, there was a time when the, um, the king of England had this jester who was really famous in all the land, and, and when the court found out that that jester was going to be performing that day, everybody was always just really, really super excited. Uh, people loved him. But being a comedian and being like a lot of comedians, sometimes you kind of press it, and, and sometimes in, the, in, in being jest, uh, you can be offensive. Well, there was a day where this jester went way over the line. It was incredibly offensive and disrespectful to the king, so much so that the king was just absolutely enraged. And in his anger, he yelled, kill him. And in that moment, of, of, as he was just kind of dealing with his own rage, as it was beginning to subside a little bit, he said, okay, wait a minute. You know, you deserve to die, and you will die for what you just said. That was, that was incredibly disrespectful to the king of England. But because you have been serving in my court for so long, I'll let you choose how you want to die. And so the jester thought about it for a moment, and then he said, well, if it's If it's all up to you, my Lord and King, I choose to die by old age. (laughs) All right? So we've been in this series called All God Wants for Christmas, which is really all about choices. And we talked about how weird it would be, you know, that, that, you know, if we had all the choices in the world, we'd have all the resources, we could do anything we want. We had all the choices we probably wouldn't choose, it probably wouldn't be on our radar for us to choose to get out of the gated community into a world of oppression, hurt, and pain to, to help people. And we probably wouldn't be on our radar to choose that we would die, not of old age, but as a horrific death, death on the cross. But we talked about, you know, how he who has all the choices in the world, okay, can choose whatever he wants to do, He chose to come out of where he is into our world, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, and die a horrific death for you and me. That was his choice. Now, we talked about that he he didn't choose those things because he thought that would be really super great and wonderful. He had an ultimate choice, a, a, a bigger choice than those things. And that choice was and is still to love us, to pursue us, to have a a relationship with us. And all of those choices were made in order to love us and to have that relationship with us. And so when we think about choices, we said choices have meaning. There's a reason behind it. There's a reason why God does what he does. But when you look at what God is all about and what he ultimately chooses, He chooses to do all of these things because he chooses to have a relationship with you and with me. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to kind of continue on in that same vein of choices and thinking about choices. And so the big idea for this morning as we kind of walk through this is this right here. Choices reflect what we are pursuing. Knowing what we are pursuing influences our choices, right? So if you kind of think about it this way, choices reflect what we're pursuing. Choices have meaning. And if we were to take some time and and reflect back on 2022 on some of the bigger choices and some of the choices that we made, we would be able to find, if we were honest with ourselves, what is it that we are truly pursuing? Sometimes we're conscious of it. Sometimes we're not even conscious of of what we're pursuing. But our pursuit really reflects, okay, you know, our choices or our choices reflect um, what we're pursuing. 
But in our lives, if we, if we begin to understand what is it that we should be pursuing, that influences our choices. And so when we, again, we think about God, what does God's uh, choices reflect on what he's pursuing? It's you and me. And not only that, the fact that he's pursuing us also shows us his choices. That's how he makes those choices. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of walk through that path of um, this big idea and see how God walks this out and how this has an implication and impact in our lives. Let me kind of give you a little example of this, kind of an example from just kind of an everyday example. I was thinking about this week, and I was thinking about last week, uh, if you were here uh, during offering, one of our elders gave the offering. His name is Irvin and his wife, Tiffany. She was telling me the story one time about how when she was in sixth grade, Tiffany made a choice. She made a choice that she was going to be an engineer. And not only just was she going to become an engineer, she was going to become an engineer at NASA. All right. So if you think about that choice that she made in sixth grade, and now she's a chief at, um, uh, in NASA, there were a lot of choices between that day in sixth grade to her day today and her job at NASA. If you think about it, that, that, that was a big choice of hers when she was in sixth grade, that yes, today I choose that I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to be an engineer at NASA. But that wasn't the only choice. If it was the only choice, she would never have worked at, uh, at NASA or become an engineer. But there were, way back when, in middle school, there were a lot of choices. Choices of how she was going to spend her day, whether she was going to watch TV or she was going to do her schoolwork. And the choices on how she was going to, to go about her schoolwork. It was going to have implications on her relationships and time spent with other people. And that wasn't just in middle school. That was in high school. And then that was in college. And then when she went and got in graduate school, when she got her master's degree and her PhD, there are a lot of choices there. A lot of just, not just choices about how she was going to spend her time, but also choices in how she was going to spend her resources. Lots of choices. There were big choices and there were small choices. But if you were to go back all the way into her life in sixth grade, there were thousands of choices. But her pursuit of wanting to be an engineer at NASA uh, influenced and impacted all those choices in her life. Now, you know, Tiffany in her own story would would say that, you know, it wasn't just about her having these choices. She fully recognizes the incredible grace of God in her life. The grace of just an amazing support system with her mom and with her uh, husband and her family, teachers, mentors. Uh, She recognizes the grace of God that she was born here in this particular place, even around the world in this time to be able to, to do these things. She recognizes the grace of these things. But you see how her pursuit, her pursuit had implications with her choices. Now, your, your, your vocational story may not be like that one. Mine sure wasn't. In sixth grade, if, if somebody would have come up to me and said, Tyler, you're in sixth grade, starting middle school, here's the deal. You're going to be a pastor someday. Now, back in sixth grade, I would have laughed and cried at the same time. Okay? Because that was like the furthest from my mind. But I do know and see and reflect in my own life that, um, you know, my choices do reflect what I'm pursuing, whether I recognize it or not. And at the same time, though, if when I get locked in and under, you know, something or someone that I'm pursuing, that has great impact and influence on how I choose to live my life. Big choices, small choices. 
And so when we look at it from this kind of angle, and we look at it from uh, the birth of Christ, uh, we see that the birth of Christ was a big choice by God. But it's important for us to understand that it was just one of many choices. I know in our own culture, a lot of times we, when we think about Christmas, because it's a wonderful holiday, uh, we love the songs, we, we love the programs, we love the food, we love getting together with family. There's a lot of special things that go on that sometimes makes us think that the choice of God was to be born. It was a big choice, but it was just one choice of many choices to fulfill his ultimate choice, which is to love, to love you, to love me, and to pursue and to have a relationship with us. About 50, 60 years after Jesus was born, uh, Paul wrote a letter, and he wrote a letter to uh, a group of Christians in Rome. And if you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. We're going to kind of camp out a little bit on Romans chapter 5, and we're going to kind of begin with verse 6, and we're going to go through verse 11, I believe. And, um, and when you kind of look at this little portion here, when we get to Romans chapter 5, verse 6, you see as Paul is kind of thinking about what he's writing here, he thinks about the birth of Christ. Uh, as kind of quickly as it might be, he begins to kind of think about Jesus Christ and being born. And so in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, he wrote this. He said, you know, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came, Christ was born, Christ came into this world at just the right time. That when we were utterly helpless, Paul was saying, Christ came at just the right time. Now, you got to understand, what does it mean by just the right time? Um, you know, it wasn't like Jesus was just kind of walking around and like he happened to come off across a, a scene of people in crisis. And like, oh, wow, you showed up at just the right time. How about that? Boy, it's a good thing you were here. There are no coincidences with God. God has an ultimate plan. And God chooses perfectly. Even his timing, he chooses perfectly. Everything that he chooses is done well, is done perfectly. But it's done with the ultimate caveat of loving us, even in our utter helplessness. And so he comes at just the right time. Now, like I said, you know, that Jesus' birth is a big deal. But it's not the biggest deal. And so when you look at um, just some of the, the writings that we have, the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, it's, it's kind of woven in there, and sometimes we miss it because we get so focused on his birth, is the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world, which is kind of weird. He came into this world to die. A baby was born in order to die. And all of that was a choice. It reminds me of the words um, from Luke and, and Luke's writing of Jesus's birth. Uh, and, and in that, you see his birth, but you see that it's, it, there's something, you know, there's a reason behind it. There is a goal behind the birth of Jesus Christ. And it comes in Luke chapter 2, or as Linus from uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special famously said, lights please. And there were shepherds, and they were in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, 
The angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people that for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior, okay, which is Christ the Lord. And he goes on, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. That is what Christmas is all about, right? Well, maybe what Christmas is all about, but it's important for us to understand it's not all about Christmas. Because even Luke, when he's telling about that incident in that time, when the angel of the Lord came, the angel of the Lord was saying, just as Paul was saying, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the right time. The angel said, guess what? I bring you good news of great tidings because born today is a savior. And he wasn't just born. That's not the saving part. It is the, this baby that was born into this world who is God in the flesh, Emmanuel with us, who chose to come into this world as a choice of many other choices by which he will make another choice later on to save us from our sins by giving up his life for us, sacrificing his life for us, for the ultimate choice of loving us and us having a relationship with him and through that relationship to have a relationship with one another. Remember we talked about You know, last week I talked about how, um, you know, every single one of us, every single one of us may not have all the choices in the world, right? We know that. And there are some of us who have more choices about what to do with our life than other people in this life. But here's the thing. We talked about this last week. That every single one of us has the same choice that the one that he who has all the choices in the world makes above all else. And that's a choice to have a relationship with us, to love us. And so we see that vetted out in the life of Jesus Christ. And so when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. And, he goes on in the rest of that verse in verse 6, and died for us sinners. Why? Because he loves us. Going on, we see how much God does love us and how incredible his love is for us. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to be born, but not just to be born and say, hey, I'm alive. Not to die of old age, but die for us on the cross for for us while we were still sinners. So God's love is so amazing 
that God's love isn't about, you know what, Tyler, if you get your life right, maybe I'll love you a bit more. Isn't that kind of how we kind of operate sometimes? It's like, you know what, if you do me right, then I'll do you right. And if you love me, I'll love you better and all this stuff. But we see God uniquely as a God who is moved and motivated by love because love really is, John said in 1 John, that's who God is. That even though we were still sinners, God loves us. And because we are sinners, God made the choice to come into our world and to die for us. In verse 9, he goes on, he says, you know, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For in verse 10, he goes and he says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And think about it. So again, when you think about choices, oftentimes we come to holidays and we think about, we love just the event of it all. We love the experience of it all. And there's no doubt that our God is a God who desires for us to have great joy. But God knows something that sometimes we forget. That our joy, a sustaining deep joy within us, isn't, is, is, is so much more. He offers us so much more than just a great religious or cultural experience called Christmas. Because God knows that the greatest joy that we have is when we're abiding in a relationship with him. When we are close to him, when we do life with him. And that's why when we think about, again, when we think about choices, we already have the choice that we all need that gives us the greatest fulfillment, no matter what season it may be. A choice is to have great joy in our friendship and relationship with a God who loves us so much that he's willing to go the extra mile of dying for us to have that relationship with us. And that's why so oftentimes when we talk about here at River Run that, you know, our culture statement is to leverage life to know God. Oftentimes we do it kind of the flip side around. We leverage God to do this life. We have certain things that we want to accomplish, certain things that we want from this life. And so we come to God and we say, ask God for all of these things in order for God to manage this life in such a way that we believe is going to bring us the greatest happiness. And it doesn't. And so we, we keep trying to work it, though, thinking that it, it will. Right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. So we think if we just have more money, if we have more experiences, if we have more choices, if we have more all of these things, then I'm going to be happy. And we keep chasing these things. God in his love for you and I did a, basically a cosmic timeout and said, guys, you got it all wrong. You continue down that path. You're going to continue to struggle with emptiness, anxiousness, fear, um, being incomplete, thinking that there's just, just over that next hill right there. I see that hill. Over that next hill is going to be, be the promised land. And God says, no, 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 no. You are made. Your operating system is made to be loved. And there's only one person, y'all, who can love us like that. And that's a God who, who can love us infinitely and perfectly all the time. 
Anything else is a shadow of it. And it's like chasing it. Almost there, almost there, almost there. But we finally grasp it when we grasp the understanding that life was meant to be lived with our God and to know our God and to leverage every aspect of our life to know him. And so when Paul says, since, for since our friendship with God, go back to verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now in verse 11. So now, what can we do? We can rejoice. Rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. That's where we have joy. Paul said it this way in another letter in Philippians. He said, rejoice in the Lord when? Does anybody know? Always. Wait a minute, God. You know, you know these are the things that are going on in, in my life. Paul, I don't understand. When you're writing these things, I don't think you understand what's going on in my life. Rejoice in the Lord always. How, how in the world can I rejoice when this is going on in my life? Now, and that's true. There's probably us who dealing with some really hard, difficult things. But one of the things that Paul understood as he was writing those words from prison to a bunch of people that he first met when he was pummeled by rocks and thrown in prison there as well, his own experience, he realized that the joy that he found in his life is not about managing people, managing the outcomes, managing all of this. It's simply rejoicing in where? In the Lord. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? It means to rejoice in the fact that the Lord loves you. Irregardless of whether people love you or not, He loves you. And He knows everything about you, more than you know about yourself. And He still loves you. There's nobody who's going to be more kind to you than our God. That's the rejoicing that we have because fundamentally in our hearts, that's what we all want, right? It's to have that joy of being loved by a God who knows everything about us but gave everything for us because he chooses us. He chooses to do that relationship with us. And so our main point for today, choices reflect what we are pursuing we're usually pursuing something that would bring us joy, something that we believe will make us happy. And so we have choices around that. The question is, are those things really giving you, are those the things giving you real lasting joy, the things in your life by which you feel a sense of, of rejoicing no matter what, a sense of strength, of peace, no matter what's going on in your life? And if not, let me encourage you or let me, let me just say, Change your pursuit. Change your pursuit. And ultimately, I would encourage you, change your pursuit from, from changing it to pursuing things and status and pleasure and the things of this world to pursuing a someone. A someone who will never leave you nor forsake you. Someone who loves you tremendously. A someone who chooses to have a relationship with you. But here's the thing, right? In a relationship... Two people have to choose in order to make that relationship good, right? And so it's one of those things that God is calling us to choose to enter into that relationship with him on a daily basis, not just a one-time thing by which we have eternal life, 
but something that we choose every single day, that God, I choose you. I choose to know you. I choose to do my life with you. And when we make that our choice, our pursuit, and our relationship with him pursuit, that then changes our choices and the way that we choose and what we do with our lives. Now, you know, I can make choices, and there are certain things in, in my life that, um, you know, I know that I have limited choices. Uh, I can't choose. I can't go over to Tiffany and say, hey, Tiffany, this whole chief at NASA thing sounds pretty awesome because y'all are doing some pretty cool things. Can you make me a chief? Because I choose to be a chief at NASA. All right? Well, Tiffany's going to go, you know what, Tyler, I love you and all, but there's no way I'm going to let you be a chief there. And they're not going to let you be a chief there. You know why? Because we love the co-workers at NASA, and you will ruin all their lives. <laughs> but here's the deal. Tiffany and I, we both have the same choice. We have the same choice to pursue a God who loves us tremendously. And where I'm not shortchanged for not having that choice, because I have the choice that matters the most. Choice to live my life with a God who fills my heart, reminds me of my value, who loves me as a child, who forgives me as a sinner, who gives me eternal life, but not just eternal life, because eternal life is not the ultimate goal. It is to be with him forever. What a beautiful thing. And so, Father, as we think about these choices and how you, your choices have meaning, and your choices, we look at your choices, there's, there's a reason behind that. And it's the ultimate choice of having a relationship with us and pursuing us. And God, you have given us a choice. You've given us the choice to pursue you. We may not have all the choices in this world. You did not give me the, the choice to become a, uh, an, uh, an all, you know, a Hall of Fame center in the NBA. But you've given me the choice that I need the most. And that is the choice to allow you into my heart and into my life and allow you to fill me with your love and a choice to do life with you. God, that is such an amazing choice. It is the best choice that any of us could ever make. It is the choice by which for the last 2,000 years that those who have found great joy in you have found that choice, that the choice is you. So my hope and my prayer is for my friends and my brothers and sisters here, God, that as we kind of enjoy this season, that we do not enjoy this season apart from you because the greatest joy of this season it's just doing it with you and enjoying it with you. And so, Father, as we just kind of sing this song, as we take this opportunity just to allow you to open up our hearts, to, to speak to us, and um, God, I also just pray that you would just kind of stir the hearts of people here who need prayer as well as, as your elders, Lord, are just up here in the front to pray with anybody who needs that. God, that you would just use this space to stir within our hearts that you are with, with us and that you, you, you love us. And we are a great choice to you. And so remind us, God, that you are an infinite, amazing choice for us. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.